So everyone starts off um, on our floor for at least two weeks so we can figure out how, how you know, how they would fit in best. Um, but again, that's part of understanding that everything we do supports what we call the big show. And, and that's the, the unique and rare uh, opportunity to actually be able to sell legal cannabis to customers. So that, that's the, 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 the start of what we're trying to do here. And that's going to be for three locations, right? Lee, Holyoke, and East Hampton? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, we also have a cultivation that, that will be coming on online uh, in the coming months. Uh, and so, you know, we're taking applications for that as well. Um, but specifically, we're looking for guides, um, and as I mentioned, those are generally uh, bud tenders elsewhere, um, administrative support, uh, accounting, uh, drivers, fulfillment, cashiers, reception, reception and inventory. It's quite a few different types of positions there. They really are. Um, and, and you know what? As much as we need to have a team approach um, or understanding we need to have a team approach, we really wanted to make sure that everyone was cross-trained, um, knew what other jobs uh, uh, people were doing and how everyone fit together. Um, you know, frankly, it's not just a cannabis thing. It's, it's a business thing in terms of, you know, you're, you've got various people you need to rely on. And if we have someone who's a guide and they don't know what the inventory department's doing, that's not a good team. Or knowing how they support each other, that's not a good team. Or knowing the importance of the person who's outside and doing line engagement. So, you know, with that very notion, it, there's a lot to, to understand. We're trying to build a really solid team. Uh, you know, we say it all the time, cannabis is a team sport. we got shirts that say that, in fact, um, and, and that's really what we're trying to do. We think we've got a really great work environment here. Um, you haven't asked, but I'll put it out there. We, we start at $16 an hour. Nice. Uh, with benefits, uh, educational reimbursement. Uh, we are in the process of instituting an employee profit sharing plan, of course, paid time off, and we also uh, do paid volunteer hours. We'll, we'll allow you to volunteer up to an entire week uh, um, throughout each year, and we'll pay you for that. Very good, and that's in Western Mass. You're paying $16 an hour, right? It is. It is here in Western Mass, um, and, and, you know, we, we're – we're pleased that, you know, with the talent that we've been able to um, attract and retain. But, you know, we think it makes a big statement to be able to say, look, we, we appreciate everyone where they start. Um, and, look, you got to lead by example. I think that less than, you know, paying less than or paying a minimum wage is, is not indicative of the quality you want to have, uh, the quality employees you want to have. Awesome. Because I know a lot of places in Boston aren't starting at 16. From what I see, <laughs> I've, you know. Well, yeah, so. I'm, I'm happy to hold the um, um, high, hold the high standard there. I'd be happy to do that. Good. Uh, and so people can apply uh, through email, apply at canaprovisionsgroup.com. Is there any specific, like, background experience you need for this? Well, I'll tell you, we're, we're looking for, you know, responsible adults um, and, you know, understanding that this is new for pretty much everyone who's going to be an employee. They've not done this before. Um, a lot of it's it's a retail situation, um, but it's not traditional retail by any uh, any stretch of the imagination. Um, and so, you know, there's understanding that uh, um, figuring out where people can fit in is really important for us. And so, uh, if they apply, we would uh, anticipate getting back to them within uh, a week and setting up an interview. Uh, and and again, we're really looking to hire people, bring them on for for a bit of a trial. 
two-week period. And when I say a trial period, um, you know, it's always our intention for them to stay on. But we look at it at about 60% you're trying us out, 40% we're trying you out. Because, again, most there's almost no one who's actually had a retail cannabis experience, um, especially at, at our level and the customer service focus that we have. So, um, you know, fitting in on the culture is really important, but we like to get people up and running quickly uh, and see if they're a good fit for us. And then we put them into a four-week training program. So by the time they're actually fully interacting with customers, they've got full product knowledge, compliance knowledge, safety knowledge, security knowledge, you name it across the board. We want to and strive to have the absolute best employees in the state, in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. So you're investing in... in people that aren't uh, that experienced can get in on this, it sounds like. Well, yeah, exactly. And, you know, there's, it, it is a significant investment. Um, you know, we've got some, some real quality experts, customer service experts from across the country that we bring in have a solid week of customer service training uh, before we get into a solid week of product knowledge training. Uh, and then we get them, we get folks in and have them start doing shadowing um, and work on all of our systems. Uh, and then we do role playing. So it's um, a pretty detailed four week training program. Uh, and, and it's a strong investment we want to make in people because we, we're not looking for people who are looking for a job. We're looking for people who are looking for a career. So it's worth it for us to make that kind of investment. Perfect. Thank you so much, Eric Williams, Chief Operating Officer, com is the website. You can apply for a job. Apply at com. Anything else you want to leave us with, Eric? Uh, just thank you so much for all the work you continue to do. We're really happy to be uh, supporters of the Young Jerks and, more importantly, viewers and big fans of you and the Young Jerks. Keep up the great work, brother. Thank you. Thank you for your support, too. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank you, man. Have a great night. Bye-bye. You too. That was Eric Williams, Chief Operating Officer of uh, CannaProvisionsGroup.com. Uh, got some job opportunities. If you're looking to get in the cannabis space, this is a good place. I would check it out. Apply at CannaProvisionsGroup.com. It's uh, Eric Williams and his wife, Meg. Uh, they're good people. Uh, we have a special guest in studio. He's been waiting a long time as we set up and we do this pre-interview. Uh, but he's in studio, and uh, we're really happy to have him. Uh, he's running for state rep, 17th. Suffolk District, Alston Brighton. His name's Jordan Meehan. Welcome to the show, Jordan Meehan, for State Rep. Thank you for having me. Really excited to be here. And this is, uh, you told me, your first uh, podcast. My first podcast interview. I'm sure of like hundreds. You're going to end up doing, <laughs> seriously, there's so many podcasts now. And, and I know you're, podcast. yeah, everyone's going to be hitting you up. I can imagine. <laughs> I can already name some of them. <laughs> the horse race one. Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Yeah, they'll be all over you. <laughs> well, we got them first. Exactly. We, we asked first. Setting the bar high. Yeah. Uh, so Jordan Meehan, uh, you're, how old are you? If you don't mind I'm 28. 28, okay. And it's so I you, I don't even know what this because I see this OK Boomer thing and the, and the baby boomers get upset and I'm getting OK Boomer and I'm not really a boomer but I never get upset because I like young people um, and I and I'm really impressed by like folks like yourself you're like totally politically involved I wish that when I was your age I was as involved as you are right now um, so I'm impressed by young people. Are you a millennial or is this like... Yeah, what? I'm a millennial. You are a millennial. Tired okay. millennial. Okay. So you're a millennial running for office, which is not like that new of a thing. I see this a lot now, right? Yeah. Millennials are getting um, into their 40s, I think, almost. 
So, uh, yeah, we're starting to take over, which is great. Yeah. Running everywhere. AOC's a millennial, right? Exactly. I mean, talk about setting the bar high, right? <laughs> so, uh, you, so you, you, you're running for state rep. Why did you, as a young person, decide to run for state rep? Uh, I'm running because we're in the midst of a housing crisis, a transit crisis, and a climate crisis, um, and the legislature is not doing enough to address any of the three with the requisite urgency that they require and demand. And as a young person, a young renter, specifically in Austin Brighton. Um, I know the urgency of these issues because I live them every single day. As a renter, as a T-rider, as a millennial staring down the barrel of climate change, this is my day in, day out. So Struggle. A fight. You know, it's, I'm bringing up this boomer thing because, you know, I, I check out <laughs> some of these town Facebook groups. And my girlfriend and I have a, just, we have a dog care business up there. And we're both public people on the side, kind of. Uh, but we kind of promised that we'd keep our local politics quiet up there because we don't ruin our dog care <laughs> business. There's a lot of Republicans up there. But lately, like both of us kind of went off this week on the, some of the town Facebook groups because it's just like, it's ridiculous the stuff they say. It, and uh, like they're basically, so, you know, one of the kids got up there and said, okay, boomer, to this idiot <laughs> who got up there and said, we should draft these kids and they're lazy and we should put them to war. Like, and it's just like, it, and they all get mad about okay, boomer. And I'm like, Wait, you got an old guy here who's telling young kids that we need to draft them because they're lazy. And my experience is just the opposite. Like, I, I don't, I, I think that this uh, next generation is not lazy, that they're intelligent, educated. They don't want to be, um, they've changed markets. Mm. Like, we're seeing young people create companies and businesses that didn't exist anymore mm. in the past. We maybe had some social responsibility funds. But now it's become every company, when you see Wall, uh, Wall Street companies like Goldman Sachs talking about our responsibility mm -hmm. and social, res like it's just the millennials and younger have changed everything. Mm -hmm. I think AOC is an example of that. I think it's really lazy. Um, and to say that, you know, young people are lazy or they're not tough, you're dealing with housing, climate, transportation. Several jobs for many young people, especially out in Austin, Brighton, working shift after shift after shift. And most young people I'm experienced, they're not complaining. Right. I'm like, we're you should be complaining work. more. Like, this is bullshit. Like, because <laughs> I've seen it for years. I feel like the baby boomers got really lucky in a lot of respects, and they don't have any compassion for those who came after who have really struggled, who do work millions of jobs. I, I look at like young people I know, and I'm like, they work hard. Yeah. I think we are probably, by the numbers, the most overworked generation. Um, well, because we have to, because we're digging our way out of our historic levels of student debt. Right. So I think it just is a matter of learning each other's shared experience and breaking down those boundaries. So talking to more older folks about the lived experience of younger folks. I think they need to listen. Instead of getting mad about OK Boomer, they should re say, hey, maybe they got a point. Maybe I should listen to them. Maybe I'm, I should be an adult. <laughs> No, it's too easy to get mad, to get triggered. Uh, 617-702-2542 is our number. Um, so you mentioned all these issues, these three top ones. Uh, let's just start with housing. Sure. The state's not doing enough. What should they be doing? Uh, I think first and foremost, we need to start talking about rent control. Um, I'm not sure what the average rent in Austin Brighton is at the top of my head. I think for two bedrooms, it's about $2,100, which has gone up and up and up over the past few years. Um, something I've been hearing a lot of running and before running is the cost of housing is rising. Um, people's landlords and management companies aren't responsive to them. Um, 
especially out in Austin Brighton, they think this is a bunch of younger folks, a bunch of students um, that don't know their rights, don't know how to mobilize in favor of those rights or stand up for themselves. So we're seeing a lot of wealthier landlords and management companies getting away with so much that they shouldn't be. So I think rent control, tenant protections, a tenant's bill of rights is something I'm planning to advocate very strongly for. Um, yeah, we, the cost we, of housing we, is so high. Yeah, I mean, we, we just did a, uh, we have a website, uh, midnightmass.substack.com. Mm. We post a lot of stories and we went through our top podcasts of last year, the most popular one. Um, you know, basically at the top was some cannabis stuff, but right there near the top was uh, one about housing that we did mm. uh, where there were, they, the tenants were protesting uh, in, in Malden. Yeah, because I heard about that. So they were trying to um, a 50%, 50 increase. 50% rent increase. Yep. And I, I know a lot of people say rent, hair rent control, some people who are maybe more conservative or landlords themselves, or they just, they look, they look back and think it was a failed experiment during the 70s. But when I asked them, do you think it should be okay for an existing tenant to have their rent raised 50%? I think most say no. Right. And I don't think anyone thinks that's right. It's immoral. And it destabilizes not only households, but entire neighborhoods and communities. So I think first and foremost, rent control is about stabilization and affirming that housing is a human right and keeping people housed. And having I'm from Malden, so that story really hit pretty close to home. Um, we're seeing a lot of gentrification up around Malden Center. Um, and even where I used to live, up towards Oak Grove, the prices are still going up and up and up. Right. But things aren't really changing around, you know, the quality of housing. And and that Malden case too, it turned out like you know the tenants pointed this out uh, that the gentleman, the the landlord who had bought the building and raised the rents fifty percent overnight to everyone in the building, uh, he said, well, you could rent elsewhere in Malden. And they said, yeah, we're, we're looking at, you know, Craigslist and all the rental sites and you own all the properties and are charging the same price. <laughs> and the only other properties, there's one other guy who owns all the other properties mm -hmm. and you both are charging the same ridiculous prices. And that's, there's like two large landlords mm -hmm. and, and Malden, I'm sure that's like in Boston and every city, there's a couple large landlords mm -hmm. who buy up hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of these buildings and properties and they just jack the prices yeah. up and they own the market. And they can get away with it which is horrifying. Right. So yeah, it's, um, it really comes down to a, a massive power imbalance. And I think rent control and a tenant's bill of rights would go a long way to leveling the playing field for renters. And what about like um, public housing, like building more housing? Like that's also discussed a lot for, mm -hmm. you know, people who are into housing. Where, where would you stand on that? I'm a big fan of social housing. Um, I think we should start talking more about the Vienna style model of mixed income social housing and really getting the conversation around that started statewide. So what is that? What, what do you mean, mixed housing? Um, mixed income would be, instead okay. of just public housing, because historically in, oh, yes. in the country, it's concentrated poverty, yep. because it hasn't. it's locked in people of certain incomes into one area and sure. one part of the neighborhood. Uh, with social housing, it would be a mix of different incomes throughout um, the building. Okay. So people are exposed to different people, uh, different you know, levels of income, different levels of social mobility. Yep. And things open up. I mean, it seems like that's starting to happen here, too. I, I mean, it seems like the mm -hmm. uh, new development uh, that they're talking about in Cambridge, yes. Cambridge Side Gallery, mm -hmm. they're going to have some mixed housing, it sounds like, there. Um, that totally makes sense to me. It's functionally a public option for housing. And we all agree that a public option for healthcare makes total sense. So why not for housing? Right. If we agree that healthcare is a human right, why not housing? The other thing uh, I've seen some stories on is like creating like these micro units for mm -hmm. like homeless people. Have you seen those? Would you 
I haven't heard much here. about micro units. Or like, uh, what do you call them? Small houses? Uh, tiny tiny houses. houses? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, more housing is good, but if we're talking about housing the homeless, we should have a, a home guarantee. They, they don't, you don't have to give them tiny houses just because they're experiencing homelessness. Right, right. They deserve the same level of housing and dignity as everyone else. Okay. So just give them regular housing like everyone else. All right. Make it affordable. All right. Uh, 617-702-2542 is our phone number if anyone wants to call in and got a question. Um, let's talk about some of the other ones. Traffic and transportation. That's like... Oh, uh, boy. That, that's my <laughs> bane of existence. Like, you, I, like I said, I'm driving here today halfway here and realize I don't have a cell phone. It's like, man, it's only like 10 miles, but it's like an hour. <laughs> like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, on a Sunday, it shouldn't be that way. Yeah. It's just so ridiculous driving around here or taking the T or, mm-hmm. you know, there is no good option. What no, do you do? I took the 86 to get here. Um, and at this time of day where I live, taking the 86 to get to Union Square in Somerville requires you to walk 25 minutes to Everett and Western Ave and then hop the 86, which doesn't come very frequently. So you're so standing outside in the cold. Exactly. So it's okay. either that or take an Uber or drive. And I'd rather take the tea, obviously. Um, yeah, it's it's a hassle. It is a hassle. How do we fix it? How do we fix transportation and this issue? How do we get people around? What do we do? I think a lot of it comes down to raising new revenue for the MBTA. Um, you hear a lot about from the Baker administration that the T has more money. They're not spending it wisely enough. I don't think that's true at all. Um, I think it comes down to thinking bigger about where we get our revenue sources from. I think raising progressive revenue has to be a top priority. And there are so many ways to do it without having to raise taxes or fees or anything on the middle and working class and poor. Um, And I think moving towards regional rail is a really important thing, which would increase frequency on the commuter rail to every 15 minutes within the Boston area and every half hour um, on the rest of the system. And just making that more frequent, reliable, faster, electric, and cleaner, most importantly. Perfect. Um, speaking of cleaner, environment, because that's, and, and uh, this this issue, I mean, all these issues have so many other sub-issues. And they're and, all interconnected. Yeah, they course. are all interconnected. But my big one is like the gas and nuclear. They scare mm-hmm. the crap out of me, both of them. Uh, the gas, I think ever since that thing happened in Lawrence, mm-hmm. and you're seeing it happen again in like a, a little section, of, I think Brookline, like every city and town. Like, yeah, when you walk through Brookline. Our buildings could just blow up. I, like, Overnight, Terrifying. just because we have gas that we use. Yeah, when you walk through Brooklyn, you see so many of these signs from mothers out front um, of ghost trees where gas leaks have choked the life out of trees from underground. And now where, where there used to be tree cover and tree canopy, there's nothing. So that's because of gas leaks. And we have them everywhere. They're all over the state. And and even like where I'm in, like rich, you know, little Tony area that I uh, do my dog care business, we smell it all the time. Mm-hmm. We're like... Wow, can you smell that? And the customers ask, did you smell gas in my house today? And it just, it's a scary thing now. Um, and we've had uh, City Councilor Quentin from um, mm-hmm. Cambridge on quite a bit. And he's, and I see this started to be reported more. They're talking about getting rid of gas completely mm-hmm. and new builds and things like that. Do you support something like that? No gas lines? I think c- um, in the future going forward, we should definitely be phasing out fossil fuel infrastructure. Um, what I'm trying to advocate for in this campaign is a Green New Deal for Massachusetts, which should be comprehensive, um, and that definitely includes phasing out fossil fuel infrastructure going forward, um, especially new developments. Um, I think you're seeing a lot of that just on its own. A lot of new developments right. are phasing out gas, They're which going is great electric to see. Exactly. And, and renewables and 
yeah, it's the geothermal is mm-hmm. another one. They that's crazy. Yeah, it costs some money to get on, but it's once you get it started though, it's awesome. Forever. Like, like when you look at solar, yeah, um, that used to be so expensive to get right. residential solar, and now that it's getting more popular, the prices have plummeted. And you don't have to worry about your house blowing up. Exactly. A big problem though with solar, though, I've seen mass um, that I don't think we talk about enough in our discussions on clean energy, is um, the industry is kind of being held back. I think in 2017, over the course of a year, we lost about 25% of our solar jobs. Uh, and then in 2018, the state Senate passed a really great, robust, uh, clean energy bill that would have gotten us, to, I think, to 100% renewables by 2050. It got gutted by the House. Um, but a big provision of that was to eliminate the net metering caps for uh, residential solar, which allows residents uh, to sell back p- excess power to the grid for money, um, which makes it much more you, incentivized. You can't do that anymore? They um, you this. can. Uh, it's, a lot of municipalities have caps on how much you can uh, actually sell how, back. How much you can do it. Mm-hmm. And a, a few of those have been already met. So a big provision of who, that. Who puts that in? Is that like big energy that doesn't want it? Like who does that? I think it might be municipalities. I'm not really sure off the top of my head. That's weird. Um, but a big push a few years ago was to get rid of those caps and further incentivize residential solar. Um, and that got taken out. So a lot of municipalities are hitting those caps and aren't able to allow... More. any more power to be sold back oh, so i think it's crazy. a lot of from the utilities especially so right. utility reform should definitely be part of a green new deal for mass like it was in washington state under jay Inslee. makes sense to me um this is gas compressor plant that everyone in weymouth weymouth mm-hmm. does not want uh most people in the south shore don't even want it mm-hmm. i mean just uh, being anywhere close to weymouth the governor took a bunch of money it looks like from the company as a campaign contribution and he supported it is there anything you can do at the state house to kind of stop that that project from going through? Off the top of my head, I'm not entirely sure um, where that stands right now. I think there's an issue from what I do know about FERC federally right. and um, how much that might be preempting any state action that we could take. Um, I don't see any reason for going forward on this project. Everyone hates it. Right. There's no need for it. It's regressive. It's yeah. dangerous. Yeah. It's toxic. It's awful. I can't imagine being in Weymouth and being like, what? Like, they just don't care. No. I mean, I'd be scared crap. I don't know. And I'm not that scared. I'm sounding scared today, <laughs> all these little things. But, you know, I'm pretty brave, mostly. You know, if a burglar walks through, I'm the guy who will go right to him at right. the door. You Noted. know what I mean? I'm the tough guy. <laughs> I wrestled. Uh, but, you know, the other thing I'm afraid of, though, is the nuclear thing. Because mm. um, Plymouth, they're shutting down mm-hmm. in Plymouth, Mass. But there's issues even with that, just how they're going to keep all the nuclear waste there forever mm-hmm. since they can't really transport it to right. anywhere um and then you have seabrook and seabrook is pretty close to a lot of us in massachusetts especially those on the north shore and seabrook is a, a lot of issues over the years i mean when i was a kid i heard rumors from people who used to work there in construction mm-hmm. and some of the things they said about the concrete and then you read the what this is this was the rumors i heard when i was a kid from a guy who actually s- built that place uh and then years later now, guess what they're talking about? The cracks in the concrete. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, like this is freaking me out. And the government, the federal government is like, oh, that's okay. That's okay. It's all right. You know, Nothing it, to see here. Yeah. So I'm worried about Seabrook because it's been running for a long time and we thought it was going to close, but it's not going to close. They're going to let it open, continue to be open forever. And it does have these cracks apparently mm. in the concrete. Is there anything that uh, you think we can do at the state of Mass to, you know, kind of say, wait, we don't want it. Uh, something I'm going to have to look more into, I think. Um, so feel free to send me any readings on that. Definitely. Uh, we have a phone call. Who's on the phone? 
Hey, Mike. It's Lady J. How you doing? Lady J, how you doing today? I love your phone calls. I'm doing well. Um, I just wanted to chime in because I am a Weymouth resident. And I heard you just talking about the compressor station and uh, about gas and stuff. Um, basically, I'm completely against it. I know that a lot of people in my town are completely against it. I was starting to read some things online about um, how it's actually kind of unnecessary and they're still going through and forward with it. And I think that's kind of disgusting. Um, the other thing that I wanted to discuss was the uh, the gas leaks. They actually um, have been going around and doing redoing the gas lines in my entire town uh, because of complaints of gas leaks and whatnot. So it's just kind of like a, a scary world we live in, and I agree with you 100%, Mike. It's scary. Thank you, Lady J. And, and do Absolutely. You, uh, we'll have you hold on the line and have uh, Jordan kind of answer. Yeah, I think okay. with the gas leak thing, we saw what happened with Lawrence, like you were saying. How many more homes have to literally explode before we get the message that gas is not the future? That's right. Not only that, but how many times do you have to complain to the gas company until yes. they actually come out and do something about it? That, that seems a regular, regular mm -hmm. thing that a lot of people are dealing with around here. It's it's ridiculous. I think the alternatives are the future, and that's what we need to start working on is, is not only environmentally better, but safer for our own lives. Right. And that, you know, we, we, we're all afraid of uh, this Iran war, and, and some people who are very cynical say, well, we need the jobs. <laughs> and I'm, I'm sitting here looking like, gee, we, why don't we sink the money into this and create jobs? Instead of, you know, something positive instead of something that kills people. Or it's not the answer, ever. Yeah. yeah. Especially with jobs. That's just ridiculous. That is the most absurd answer I have ever heard. That's what you hear, too. When it comes to jobs. That's right. I agree. Thank you, Lady J, for calling. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Have a wonderful night. You, too. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. Uh, we're the Young Jerks. We're here Sundays around 5 p.m. I'm not even sure what time it is because I don't have a phone or five a clock. It's 5-ish, yeah. <laughs> we got a great guest here, Jordan Meehan, who's running for State Rep 17th Suffolk, Alston Brighton. Is that yep, the it's district? about half of Alston Brighton. Half of Alston Brighton. And you've worked on quite a, uh, I noticed, well, you, let's mention you have a Twitter, first of all, right? <laughs> yeah. That's where I see you most often. You're very popular on Twitter. What's your, is it Jordan, at Jordan Meehan? Yeah, uh, my personal one is at Jordan Meehan. Campaign one is at Jordan for MA. All right, Jordan for MA is the official campaign. Um, and you've worked on, I, I've seen you've been working on different campaigns. Mm -hmm. Who were some of the past campaigns you've worked on? What were your roles? Tell us about that. Sure. Um, so in 2018, right after I took the bar exam, actually, I jumped So you're on. a lawyer, too. I am a lawyer, technically. You can tell by the bags smart. under my eyes. What, yeah. what school? <laughs> Suffolk you... University. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you're really a smart kid. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you're an attorney. You passed the law exam, the bar exam. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. So a few, about two weeks after that, I jumped on Ayanna Presley's campaign for Congress. Um, pretty much as a full-time volunteer, I was job hunting at the time, so I had a lot of free time, and I hadn't been able to give her much of my time throughout that campaign because of finishing school in the right. bar. So um, jumped on that, knocked about 1,400 doors in three weeks, uh, a lot of them in Somerville here, actually. Um, so that was really fulfilling. And what yeah, was the, the response like in Somerville? Because that wasn't really her base. Like, that was Capuano's base, mm -hmm. and, and Boston was hers. Like, right. What was it like then? It was overwhelmingly uh, positive. I think she just about tied Somerville. Um, and in Ward 2, I think, was where we are in Union Square. Um, she did very well. 
um, great response here, which is really great. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then after that, my friend Casey and I were organizing most of Somerville. If, I think all of Somerville for the mass Dems for GOTV. Um, so we launched the largest GOTV canvas statewide, um, uh, right before the election. Um, this year I did a lot of work for Brandon Bowser, uh, for city council out in Brighton and Austin. Um, that was really great. Another renter running for office. Yeah, we like Brandon. Good friend of mine. Yeah. He's been on the show way back. He I was like texting him. me earlier about where to find pizza in Malden. So, yeah. you know, he's always trying guy. to be of service. He's a school <laughs> teacher. For the yeah. Dance, you and guy. GOTV yeah. guy. I like him. Yeah. And, and then, an um, artist, uh, also likes musicians and artists, which exactly. I also like. <laughs> Big in my family. Yeah. Um, then after that, I did a lot of work for Alejandro Sinquien and oh. Michelle Wu for city council, um, including the recount was um wow. very one vote on one vote difference and wow. then uh, a few days later we launched my campaign so it was pretty wild so it was been... a very long year yeah so uh, you worked with ayana presley you did you get to I, i've seen you actually with some pictures with ayana you must know her pretty well now fairly well yeah she's busy so yeah how awesome is she like because i i just i'm in love with her like in terms of you know just how awesome she is and same with aoc I, i'm big fans she's exactly how wonderful you think she is which is you can't really say about too many like big powerful people, so right. that's why it's really great to see. Yeah. So yeah, I, we had uh, I've had one experience with her, and that was interviewing her on the show mm-hmm. and kind of hanging out with her that day. You know, just I like her a lot, like mm-hmm. even as a person. But she is very inspirational, but also like she won me over that day. Like mm-hmm. you know, I I'd worked with Capuano. He had come on the show a couple times, you know, and it was just she's just amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm so glad that we have someone like her representing us yeah in, in especially nowadays right as we're hurtling towards an illegal war um it's great that she's down there with a clear voice of moral clarity against this criminal president yeah uh we, we're speaking of jordan Meehan running for massachusetts state rep 17th uh suffolk district uh who's the rep right now i think i know who it is but uh, the is? incumbent is kevin honan kevin honan okay he's been there a long time hasn't he yep Quite since 1986 would you say he's more conventional democrat like Middle of the road, is that? I suppose so. He's yeah. a good guy. Um, yeah. Nothing against him personally. When I announced, I let him know this was nothing coming out of any animus or anything right. like that. Um, but, you know, it's been 34, 36 years, 34 years. He's um, been there that long? Yeah, since 86. I think he, we I need born. a change. <laughs> I think we need a change. I, I, I desperately think we need younger people. Um, I, I think that we need uh, more color. You're all, Yeah, you... Like, w- tell us more about your background mm-hmm. as well, because I want to hear more about you. Oh, yeah. Um, specifically what? I can talk to you as long as you want. Um, <laughs> so, so you went to Suffolk. Yep. You're a lot. You're like, what are you doing for, like, are you doing this full time or do you have uh, well, work? I'm, I feel like every campaign is really full time. Uh, okay. In my day job, I work for the Commission on LGBTQ Youth for the state uh, as their policy coordinator. So a lot of my work focuses on youth homelessness, juvenile justice reform, um, education. So. Youth homelessness, because that's a huge... I mean, I just homelessness is like kills me that people are homeless mm-hmm. right now. Um, we've we we had it like when I said the top fifteen podcast mm-hmm. last year of you know two thousand nineteen. Uh, two of them were with a homeless person that we talked mm-hmm. to sometimes to get his viewpoint. And one of the things he mentions is that the, there is housing and programs for people like him, mm-hmm. but oftentimes it just doesn't work because he doesn't want to be in their program. He doesn't want to follow all their ridiculous rules, mm-hmm. um, like even things like cannabis, like. He uses cannabis. That's like against almost every housing. They they get federal funds and mm-hmm. they say no cannabis, even if you have a medical card. Um, here's a guy who's recovering from opiates, battling addiction uh, right. from opiates and alcohol, 
And if cannabis helps them get through the day, I'm like, geez, well, you know, this is the no kind of stuff we hear from. Over it. Yeah. So how do we like, and, and, you know, we're looking at youth homelessness. That's a, probably a whole different thing. Ball mm-hmm. wax. But how, how do you kind of address that issue where so many people are still homeless and mm-hmm. we, we, we say we have services, but so many, uh, we see them on the street. Yeah, I think it really comes down to leading with a housing first policy and a homes guarantee. Um, and a housing first is like, that's an idea that Reagan championed back in the 80s. Um, so it's a universally. So you're not going to get excluded because you use medical cannabis. I don't think that's moral at all to right. say you're, if you smoke cannabis that you should lose your housing right. in a wealthy right. and powerful country like this. Right. That's absurd. Yeah. It's immoral. And, and he didn't lose. Let me just say this to this person that we were speaking to. Uh, Jimmy, people have heard Jimmy. He didn't actually lose his housing mm. for cannabis. He just mentioned that that does mm. happen, and he, you know, he basically hit it. He, right. he wasn't going to admit to it. Um, but you know, for him, the big issue was that he got into a little argument um, with someone who was younger than him, bossing him around about how to do dishes at the place, and that's what basically got him kicked out of mm-hmm. there. And it was nothing violent. There was nothing, you know, it was just basically right. saying, hey, you're bugging me. Like, stop telling me what to do. <laughs> like any person. I mean, when you're older, you generally don't want to be bossed around by anyone. Let's be serious. You just right. get to a point. You, you do get grouchy. I mean, <laughs> we do. I mean, and this is the type of stuff that goes on for mm-hmm. homeless people. It just it drives me crazy that we can't just give them a place to stay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that has to be our goal. Um, I think right now in the legislature, we have a few important bills that are pending um, that won't really solve the homelessness crisis, but it would really affirm the dignity and rights of those experiencing homelessness. A big one is um, the active living, which um, is H150S76, if anyone wants to look up and get nerdy, um, which would codify more civil rights protections for folks experiencing homelessness, which is really important. Um, doesn't solve the issue, but it, it does affirm the dignity and humanity of everyone. And I think it's urgent because right now in Mass, we had a 14% increase in homelessness between 2017 and 2018 um, and about 1,000 people statewide who are permanently unhoused throughout the entire year. Um, so it's nothing we can wait on. Yeah, it's increasing. I have no doubt. As these costs and the rents go up, I mm-hmm. just think it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Uh, you also mentioned you know, you work with LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Um, what, like, is that an organization you're working with? What's the, like, Oh, the commission. Yes. Yeah. The commission is an independent state agency. Um, it's the only one in the country that's dedicated purely to fighting for LGBTQ youth. And as someone in that community, it's, you know, <laughs> near and dear to my heart. So do you um, get appointed to this position or hired? How no, it's work? a staff position. Your staff position. Yep. Okay. Um, so you're with the commission. Like what, what kind of thing work did they do there? Like, like you mentioned, you know, working with kids, but like, what does that look like? Uh, so we, our big charge is to issue recommendations to about 18 state entities, um, every year. Um, that's a, the big thrust of our work. So we, uh, are trying to move the ball forward to improve the lives of queer youth. Um, however they interact with state government. And how, how like, w- w- because, you know, we think in Massachusetts that we're so far ahead. We're first for gay marriage. Uh, we shot down that bigoted uh, question that was on the ballot mm-hmm. recently. But I'm sure there's still so much to deal with. Like, wh- wh- how do we help more, especially kids? Because mm-hmm. I feel like kids, like, they bear the brunt. I don't know how they survive with social media today. If you were, like, a straight white male, for crying out loud, it's mm-hmm. got to be hard. Never mind if you're something other, you know, mm-hmm. not the traditional what are the issues? Like, what, what, what should we be kind of looking to help more in that, especially for young people? Oh, how much time do you have? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, a big thing. I mean, we just banned conversion therapy this year or last year. 
Um, so we are leading on a lot of things, but in some respects, we're not really there yet. Um, a big thing I was working on this year was uh, helping get a third gender option on licenses and state documents. So that's something that's pending right now in the state house. And even something as simple as an, a third gender marker on a identifying document is important. Because if you're trans or non-binary, that document is affirming your humanity when it's reflecting your actual gender identity. That's right. Um, so I think that, I think, bills like the Healthy Youth Act, um, which would require any school that chooses to teach sex education, teach education that's LGBTQ inclusive, medically accurate. Do you find schools are still doing the old gay as a sin, like in Massachusetts? They're like, I'm just wondering, because I, I know there's red parts of the state, mm -hmm. like Cape Cod, for instance, certain parts of it, not Provincetown, <laughs> maybe not, you know, certain parts, you know, they're the more arty mm -hmm. places, but there are certain parts of like Cape Cod that mm -hmm. are just so backwards. Is this stuff still going on here, you think? Uh, I'm not that much into the um, on-the-ground individual schools, so I'm not really entirely sure. But, you know, there are, because sex ed is not mandated by the state, um, so schools choose to teach it, and then they have their options of what they can choose to teach um, if they choose to teach sex ed. So it's a, it's a jumble. So uh, when you mentioned banning conversion therapy, mm -hmm. I want to make sure people, number one, know what that is, because I do. It's, it's basically when they try to uh, make you straight. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and they do that to children, which is like child abuse. Child torture, it's pretty much. pretty much yep. child torture. It is. Let's not even say it's mm -hmm. pretty much. It is. Uh, to me, that kind of stuff is just perverted it's per like perversion it's just like you why would you do that to a child number mm -hmm. one um how did that happen like how did that get banned was it at the state house yep uh, it was the fourth session in the state house that was brought up so it finally after about eight years um they had the votes they had the momentum and finally it got passed in the house and senate governor signed it i'm not sure why it took so long i think we were the 16th or so state to ban it um so, yeah, I'm just happy. It's time. I'm glad that's done. Yeah. Uh, you know, I remember some of the talk, uh, idiot right-wing people on Twitter were like, oh, my God. They were, like, really <laughs> upset about it. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And the are sky you... did not fall. It's unbelievable. <laughs> I just, I don't get it anymore. People need to get over themselves. 617-702-2542 is our phone number. Um, I mean, there are other issues. We We mentioned one that you seem like you're already... Uh, pretty hip to cannabis. Where do you stand on that? Because, you know, we, we feel like in the cannabis community, mm -hmm. we won three times in a row, decrib, medical, legal. Right. But the whole time, the state and the governor and especially the Speaker of the House, Bob DeLeo, who would be your boss if, uh, in, in some respects, uh, if you won election, have been against cannabis ever mm -hmm. since and have really kind of penalized us and, you know, just given us a hard time about it. And you know, we, we wanted cannabis to be legal like alcohol, but it's mm -hmm. not. It's it's way more restrictive right. than alcohol. Alcohol, a child can go into a liquor store and, uh, you know, steal a six-pack. There's no way a kid is going to get into a, a legal dispensary in Massachusetts. Mm. It's not happening. There's a big double standard on this. Um, and the governor's new thing right now that we're afraid that's going to be pushed through, there's some good bills mm -hmm. at the state house. One would bar people from being uh, fired for cannabis yep. use off hours. Um, you know, I know some people who are going through workman, you know, I hear stories uh, for like workman comp claims getting denied because of medical use off hours. Um, so, you know, there are some good law, good bills that we want passed, but we don't think they will get passed at the state house mm -hmm. because of the governor or the speaker. But we feel like what they are going to push through is like a new OUI uh, mm -hmm. on cannabis, which is also outrageous because it's going to have testing. 
uh, which is doesn't test impairment. It just tests right. whether you have it in your blood or not, which is ridiculous. Um, where would you kind of stand on some of the like the good bills versus the OUI bill? The OUI bill, um, I'm not too familiar with it, but it seems like it's setting a different standard than a regular alcohol OUI. So my big concern would be police interaction with like, folks of color, which historically has been very problematic. Exactly. Um, so I'm just thinking about the unintended consequences of something like that. Um, so I would want to read more about that. It doesn't sound like something I would support. Right. Um, but the good bills, of course. You'd support those. Yeah, absolutely. I'm still flabbergasted. It took so long to get decrim and recreational, but I'm happy that we have it. Hoping that in the business, um, it's Makes we're leading money. with equity. Yeah, with um, equity. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's another fight, uh, obviously. So you support, obviously, the equity movement and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, because we've been... <laughs> Covering that all, you know, in Cambridge and, and throughout the state. And uh, the state has kind of promised it, but it hasn't come through mm-hmm. at all, really. Uh, we're speaking of Jordan uh, Meehan for state rep, 17th Suff- uh, Suffolk District in Alston Wrighton, covering half of Alston Wrighton. Uh, you have a website and all, all of that? I do, yeah. The website is Jordan for M-A. So it's Jordan, G-O-R-D-A-N-F-O-R-M-A.com. All right, Jordan for ma.com and it's uh for yes not the number <laughs> yeah that's right you got to make sure people know yeah um so uh, and you also have twitter facebook page all that stuff yep and you are that. severely online good <laughs> um and you know uh, some other issues too that maybe don't even really apply because there's like operation clean sweep mm-hmm. that we've been kind of talking about for mm-hmm. a long time now um, which i think is still functionally going on yeah is that right in boston mm-hmm. yeah it seems like it where do you i mean i know that's a city issue a city of boston but mm-hmm. it's in your district where do you stand on something like that and what's your kind of message to maybe the mayor of boston about operation clean sweep well i emailed him about this when it was at the height of it i think in august um it's immoral first and foremost um you in a moral and just society no one should be living in fear of state-sanctioned violence for just for being unhoused or for suffering from substance use disorder so what they've been doing to folks on the street is it's indefensible. And it, from a state level, it kind of circles back to bills like the Act of Living, which would codify more civil rights protections for folks experiencing homelessness. Um, and I think we also have to start talking more about safe consumption sites because those are harm reduction, first and foremost. I'm, I'm all in on safe consumption sites. I have friends who might be alive if we had those open mm. today you know and they might be clean they you know mm. they weren't given that opportunity because they died alone right uh, shooting up drugs they were embarrassed and they died alone in bathrooms and i think that's just horrible mm-hmm. where we could just have an rn there to see if they were still alive right. and save their lives and, and it's and working up in canada and vancouver i think when that opened it saw like what a 30 or so percent reduction in deaths or overdoses so the science says it works what are we waiting yeah, for? I know. And there's <laughs> been no deaths in them. Mm-hmm. Let's, I mean, that's another almost shocking, you know, to find out that mm-hmm. nobody has died in a safe consumption right. site. And we know lots of our friends and family members sometimes have died in bathrooms alone. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is, you know, and, you know, people are, some people are very scared of these sites, but I, I'd ask them, are they, are they scared to go in the McDonald's bathroom? <laughs> because that's where, you know, a lot of the stuff is happening. And uh, wouldn't you rather have it in a, and a regulated safe mm-hmm. place rather than have your kid walk in on someone who who died in a bathroom mm-hmm. because no one was there to watch to right. see what they and were to doing help. yeah to help uh 617-702-2542 is our phone number uh we're the young jerks with jordan me and running for state rep 
I really hope you you win this. I, Me too, know, honestly. I, yeah. <laughs> I also, you better. And you have a campaign manager here. Yeah, Michaela Clark, she's my good friend. She's doing an incredible job. She's very nice. And how did you guys meet? On the Brandon Bowser campaign, actually. Oh, wow. Yeah, and um, we roped her in to do some volunteering. She proved terrifyingly effective. <laughs> so I'm very happy that she's on my team. That's very good. And um, are you expecting to get some, like, uh, endorsements and things like that are you working i mean on i'm somebody? fighting like hell for them yeah. it's their early days we launched right. about three and a half weeks ago um so a lot of the endorsement processes can be you know coming out later on do you um, think you'll get some or do you because it's think funny so. like last campaigns we saw like like some newcomers like uh julia Mejia, mm -hmm. she did get some big endorsements mm -hmm. but uh other people like liz breeden mm -hmm. she you know we asked her about that or i think one of our callers asked about it and uh you know, basically the question is, like, why didn't you get the endorsement? You won. Why do you think a lot of the institutional, you know, the, the Boston office holders didn't mm -hmm. endorse you like they did uh, your opponent? It can be for a variety of reasons. Um, and every endorser and every group that endorses has their own decision-making process and groups that make up those uh, boards. Like, uh, until I announced I was actually the chair of the Sierra Club's endorsement committee here in Mass., um, so I know what our process is like. Do you think you'll get their endorsement? I mean, I hope so. <laughs> Better. I'm fighting for a Green New Deal for Massachusetts, so I'm hoping to get some environmental backing. You're going to Come on. I'm, I'm guessing you're going to get that one. <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> we'll see. If not, maybe there's going to be a big uproar. I think people are going to be like, what was it with Top Sierra Club? <laughs> that, that happens sometimes. Like when I remember when Tito didn't get endorsed mm -hmm. by a certain group, uh, JP Progressives. People got mad. People mm -hmm. got mad at JP Progressives. Uh, they got mad at us too because we went in and asked Bernie. We we mm -hmm. sent somebody in to troll Bernie Sanders because he wouldn't get involved, mm -hmm. and that, that bugged me. It was like you you're not gonna choose Tito over Walsh. Mm -hmm. But uh, you know it's funny. Six one seven seven zero two two five four two. That's our role. Our our role is to be a trolls to people we even <laughs> like, like Bernie. I like Bernie. I got nothing yeah. against him, but we chased him out of Somerville. <laughs> we did one. We sent one woman in to ask him. She's like Bernie. What about Tito? She's screaming, Bernie, what about Tito? And he's like, I'm not taking any questions. I'm not taking any questions. Oh, my <laughs> And a lot of the, you know, a lot of the uh, burners got mad at mm. us, but I think they're good with us now. <laughs> I think they Hope get so. us now. The 617-702-2542. If you need any help, you know. Showing up and harassing like Mayor Walsh or anyone, just let us know. We, we won't be harassing anyone. We'll be knocking doors and calling voters, making our case. You're gonna do it the old-fashioned way. That's how we. That's how you win. You don't need a thug like us. <laughs> we're we're the thugs for the people when, when it's needed. Uh, again, my name's Mike Cro Mike Thug Crawford. Six one seven seven zero two two five four two. Bernie Sanders is afraid to come back to Somerville because of us. We're we're broadcasting from Somerville, and I like I like Bernie. You know, I yeah. like AOC. I like Bernie. I like Elizabeth. I'm not even picking any sides, but I like Tito. You know, I like yeah. Tito over uh, Marty, and I and uh, you know, I think I think sometimes they we know why. You know, there's there's political games that get played, and you know what I liked about Liz Breeden. She had said it, you know. Hey, I just think that they, they didn't, th they weren't sure we could win, mm -hmm. and and you got to back the one you think's gonna win right. sometimes, you know. And it's just the way it works. So, um, 
you know, we'll see what happens in uh, this campaign. I hope you get all the endorsements. Me I hope too, everyone frankly. endorses you. <laughs> We're endorsing you right now. We'll be excellent. You got your first interview and your first endorsement for a very productive Sunday. Today. Yeah. So you're done. You're all done. You don't have to do anything else. Maybe say something nice about the New England Patriots. And they, they I don't know. Sure do you like could... the Patriots? Yeah. I mean, I think you're legally kind of required to when you grew up in New England. So uh, I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. I, I used Played to be a like big Pats fan. Yesterday. I like Steve Grogan. I used to go when I was a kid. I'm just over it. Yeah, I'm more of a hockey fan myself. Yeah, I'm so. just, you know, but I'm not running for office. <laughs> right. I could I say I, I don't have like, to like or dislike every sport now. Yeah. I don't know. What are the, I'm new at this. What are the rules? <laughs> I think you're going to like every Boston team. That's it. Do you like, so you said you liked what, hockey? Yeah. You like the Bruins? I love a Bruins. Oh, yeah. I think you're good then. There you go. <laughs> Um, so, you know, also Brighton, too, is a community that has a lot of musicians. Yes. Anything that you kind of push in for, for musicians and creatives and even folks like us, you know, we've had, um, you know, we have a studio here in Somerville, mm -hmm. but we've moved around a lot. We right. were in Cambridge. We had a beautiful studio in Cambridge. We got gentrified out. The building got bought by a developer. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. We used to be in Alston. Uh, we are in Everett and now we're in Somerville. And the big issue for like a lot of creatives and small businesses like this mm -hmm. startup is the cost of the space yep. and, and the fact even when you find a beautiful space next thing you know the building's being redeveloped right. and you're getting kicked out um, what can be done for creatives to keep us in you know alston brighton and, and to keep us going i think a lot of that comes down to working with housing developers to make dedicated housing and performance and creative space for creatives it's a big problem in alston i know we have a great new artist civic group in alston called the um uh, artist impact for Alston. Um, they're doing some great work. They've gotten a lot of good results. So I think just being very intentional about it, we're hoping to sit down with as many creatives as we can uh, during this campaign. That's what Bowser did in 2017, 2019. So we've awesome. helped a lot of, you know, build those connections. Now I got to ask you about a guy I know from Alston Brighton that yeah. I, I used to work with. His name's Scott Madeline. Do you mm -hmm. know him? I don't think so. No, he, he owns Stingray Body Art. Oh, I do know. I you think mean, I met him. Yeah. I swear I got my last tattoo. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking he's a honing guy, honestly. <laughs> but nice. you should try to. Every time <laughs> someone runs an Alston Brighton, I'm like, hit up Madeline. Because he's like, you know, Mr. Business in there. Mm. And he li he knows everyone. He's a good guy. Even mm. if he's not with you, he'll be with you. All right. You know, so go hit him up. Get another tattoo there then. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I mean, I worked for him and I had no tattoos. <laughs> I, I worked for their tattoo studio, kind yeah. of doing some promotion and marketing back in the day. Mm. And uh, It's a great space. Yeah, and I, and I had no tattoos. Mm. So, I mean, he's cool. Yeah. You know, you'll be rock and roll. His thing is rock and roll. Yeah. And you're rock and roll. You're young. <laughs> you're, anyone young is like good with him, in my opinion, because he likes the rock and roll Hell lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, we, again, we're, we're speaking to Jordan Meehan for state rep running the 17th Suffolk. Austin Brighton, we just endorsed him already because <laughs> I'm taking him over Kevin Honan, who's All been right. there for three decades. I don't even know how to do this. Me stuff. either. It's a tight I am so not. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I'm uh, yeah. I'm uh, close to a baby boomer. So no, I'm not. But you know, okay, boomer. But uh, again, I want to thank um, Murphy for sticking it through behind the boards over there. Yeah. We we almost had a melt meltdown. We really wa watched him work hard, didn't we? Yeah, we did. He earned his money today. He really did. He was like freaking out. None of the mouse. He had two different mouse. Two different ones. That they didn't work. work. He ran next door to borrow <laughs> one when someone walked by. And he saved the day. So our, our crappy Show equipment. Show must go on. Yeah, is holding up another week. We've had no complaints on Facebook, right? Because I can't read them. <laughs> That's right. Absolutely no complaints whatsoever. <laughs> Not a single Is there any instant feedback that we should be reading? <laughs> any complaints? No corrections? Any compliments no. on the, the new? Dream? Yeah, the new. The new uh, no, no compliments either. Then. Yet. Yet. I exactly. like it. 617-702-2542. Yeah, tell us about our new curtain if you like it like I do. 
I also want to thank Eric Williams from CanaProvisionsGroup.com. If you want a job in Western Mass, Lee, Holyoke, East Hampton, uh, just send in your resume. Apply at CanaProvisionsGroup.com. They're hiring right now. I want to thank him for sponsoring the show as well. Um, and, of course, I want to thank Jordan Meehan for State Rep uh, for being on the show. We got him first, first <laughs> interview. We endorsed yes. him first. We're way ahead of the game. When he wins, we're going to take all the credit for it like we always do. <laughs> we're the only reason he won. No. Well, I think you might win, though. I mean, it, it's, it's hard to win uh, first time. You know that. Yeah. But you have a shot. This is like a new day. We're going to work our butts off. That's yeah. for sure. And you know how to do it. You knock on the doors. Exactly. You, got, you already got people working for you here. <laughs> How many people are working on the campaign right now? Uh, right now, officially on staff, is just me and Michaela. We have our friend Tyler Giles doing a lot of um, digital work uh, and a few diehard volunteers. And so, so you're looking for more people, capacity. right? Always looking for more people. Awesome, right? What about Pespiza? Is she behind you yet, Lauren? I hope so. Yeah? have to go on her show next. You got to go on her show next. But you got me first. Yeah, we got, <laughs> her for, we got him first, Lauren. But that's okay. Lauren, I'm sure Lauren will want you on her show. Her show is, uh, um, oh, I'm going to screw it up. You know the name it's of Renters it? Renters Radio, isn't it? Yes, thank you. I was going to say Renters something else because <laughs> that's what it was at first, and you just saved me. Thank there you, you Jordan. I'm here to help. Renters Radio. <laughs> I think I'm doing that uh, sometime this month. Yeah. So that'll be good. That's a good show and podcast yeah. to do as well. Uh, what about you gonna, Lee Nave? Are you talking to him? Lee's a good friend of mine. I met him on, during the campaign uh, for city council last year, so he's doing great work. He just got a new job with Liz Braden, which is fantastic. Yes. Her, her new policy director. Should um, I lean on him for you? <laughs> be like, Lee... I think he's going to endorse you, right? I mean, who knows? We'll see. We're trying to get endorsements right now. 617-702-2542. If you're any of these people and you want to call in and endorse before we leave, that would be a good send-off call. If you're listening, don't do it later. <laughs> All right. I'm Mike Crawford. Uh, we're the Young Jerks. And uh, we have fun. You have fun? Yeah. yeah? Will blast. you come back again? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. And so when's the election? When there's a primary? Uh, the election is September 1st, which is... Austin Christmas move-in day for most of the neighborhood. Oh, that's so awesome. Is that Bill great. Gavin's job that he did pick that date? What's up with yeah, that? Yeah, and state law sets it at the 15th, and I think it was too late for uh, getting the ballots ready for federal law or something. I'm not sure. So um, they're doing September 1st. Yeah, we heard that we were going to get a week of early voting as a compromise, and that got cut. So, mm. you know, not great, but... Not good. We'll be uh, You'll get fighting people for out. every vote. I'm not... You know, can't be worried I about like it. that you got plenty of time. You, exactly. You, 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 you announced your campaign early. You're already working it. You're doing interviews. <laughs> getting I like endorsements. It. You're getting endorsements. <laughs> you got your first one. Hopefully, you get a lot more. Yeah. All right. I, I thank you so much thank for coming. Thank you so much. And for anything me. else that you want to mention before we wrap it up here, too? Uh, no. Website again is jordanforma.com. Um, and we're having a renter's roundtable. Thank you, Michaela. Um, next Thursday, January 9th at 6.30 at the Fiorentino Center in Brighton. Awesome. And you can find that on our Facebook page, Twitter page, probably the website, I imagine. And that's Thursday, January 9th? Correct. Perfect. We'll be talking yeah, about that's... renters, their experience, and how to build a more just and equitable housing policy because housing is a human right. And that's this week? Yes. Awesome. Wow, so you're right. You're that's like the big issue for you right now. Yeah. I'm sure is housing. It ties into transit. It ties into climate. It ties into everything. It's everybody's so. issue at this point. I yeah. think if you're and you know even if you're secure too and you're like I got my home, I got my condo, whatever, you gotta worry about everybody else too. When the rest of your neighbor, even if you are a homeowner, the, if the rest of your neighborhood is being priced out, displaced, the neighborhood is destabilized. Right. And it benefits you no matter what your housing situation is, renter, homeowner, what have it. Uh, if everyone is doing better and is secure, everyone does better. 
and it's harder to hire people. I mean, this is funny because the last you know few years it was diff- somewhat difficult to find work for a mm. lot of people, but now it's become uh, a, a worker's you know market mm-hmm. where the employers are struggling on, and oftentimes to find workers, especially for those entry level jobs, mm-hmm. especially for landscaping things like that. So you know, who's going to mow you lawn? Who's going to take care of your children? Who's going to teach, you know, th- there's a lot of, mm. if people can't afford to live there anymore. Right. You can't just have all billionaires. No, absolutely not. And, and I don't think we have any billionaires in Austin what, that yeah, I know of. Million, you know, we'll call them millionaires. Yeah. <laughs> and most of them are landowners. Like, mm. that's the, the only reason they're millionaires is because they bought that property 50 years ago. So let's make it easier for everyone else to get stable and secure in their housing that's right absolutely and, and especially in a place like austin yeah because right? we need we it's about 90 percent renters in austin that's right so many creative people there yeah. and, and renters 90%. making the neighborhood great again i want to thank you so much thank and, you for having uh, me we'll be back next sunday 5 p.m young jerks uh, i want to wish everyone a happy new year happy 2020 and uh, i want to thank everyone for supporting us too over the last year we've we're definitely growing uh, midnightmass.substack.com if you want to subscribe to our newsletter email list please put your email in there some people have actually uh, started subscribing financially to give us money which is really helps us out uh, keeps us going hopefully we're going to get some new gear in here as well new equipment new upgrading mice. everything yeah yeah <laughs> we're, we're investing into it uh new mouses yeah so uh i want to thank everyone though who has been uh supporting us and listening and the callers we get Thank you, Lady J, for calling in today. Uh, Mike Crawford checking out. Young Jerks, we'll see you next Sunday, 5 p.m. The Young Jerks would like to thank Canna Provisions, a legal recreational dispensary, cannabis dispensary, in Lee, Massachusetts, for their financial support of the Young Jerks program and podcast. Thank you, Canna Provisions. CannaProvisionsGroup.com, the widest selection of flower and cannabis products of any dispensary in Massachusetts. CannaProvisionsGroup.com.